Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hello, Susan. How are you doing this evening? I am doing well. I am really enjoying making a bunch of short, comfrey videos. At this point... 
I have read from, oh, between six and eight books about comfrey out loud. Cool. As a comfrey short. And that's how easy I intend for them to be. You don't have to be like, you know, you know, giving a class. You can, if you have a book that you really like that talks about comfrey, you can just read it or you can interview somebody. So we're excited about the comfrey shorts we're getting and I want everybody to feel really welcome to um, make comfrey shorts. And it's been really amazing to me, the different, and I mean really different takes that people and books have on comfrey. One of the Mm -hmm. books that I read today was the Herb Ladies Notebook by Venus. Andrecht, the personal journal of America's most outrageous herbalist. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she suggests that you buy comfrey pepsin capsules. And that's just one of six of the remedies that you have to do all together in order to heal your gut. And I have yet to spend the time really trying to find the actual report, but the report that I heard was that a woman chewed a bunch of Comfrey Pepsin tablets that she bought them and she treated them like candy and she just ate them all the time. And she began to have distressing symptoms and went for medical help and it was discovered that her liver was swollen and they figured it was because of the Comfrey Pepsin tablets that she had been eating and they told her to stop and she stopped and her liver stopped being swollen. Yes, I'm not surprised, Susan, because when I was uh, looking into like way back in December and January and looking into getting started with Comfrey, I found six negative or like reports where they were alleging harm from Comfrey and five of the six involved these Comfrey Pepsin tablets. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. They apparently I didn't even I've never heard of such a thing. I don't can I don't even know if they can be purchased anymore. But the reports like I was looking on NIH and things like that and reading abstracts of studies without purchasing the entire study or report. But they five of the six that I found that alleged serious harm from comfrey involved Pepsin comfrey tablets. Okay. So, well, yes, I, I can I'm, say you know, maybe we can talk about this more. Probably pretty, pretty confidently, don't use Comfrey Pepsin tablets. Oh, gosh, has Susan already been telling you for 40 years not to take anything in a capsule or a tablet? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. 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 
So I, I found that so remarkable and just, I, wow. So this, no you know, this is a, this long, complicated remedy for anybody with any gut problems. And you have to take these comfrey pepsin capsules and open them up and put them in your food. And you have to take laxative herbs, enough laxative herbs to have three bowel movements a day. Mm. And then a compound formula, which includes marshmallow root and slippery elm and comfrey root. Wow. And that's astonishing to me because I think it's the only book that I found that actually suggests that people take comfrey root internally. And of course, it's How not old? like it's it's not that old. Um I believe it's um you know, within the past 50 years. Um I'll okay. go and look at the, I'll go and look at the date on it. It's not some ancient herbal in other words. It's you know, it's a modern herbal. Okay. Um, I would say that was the time period of those studies as well. But I would say not in the last 25 years. They were all done in the like pre 2000, all of the incidents that I read online that involved... This is 1994, copyright 1994. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah, it's right in that time period where... mm. Wow. Where they were on supplements. (laughs) And were you able to find out what the harm was? Was the harm to the liver? Did the people die? Did they get better when they stopped taking the comfrey pepsin? Uh, the harm was to the liver. It was always with another pre-existing condition. Uh, there was one or two that resulted in death, but it wasn't that they were just taking comfrey pepsin. There was, like you listed, there was a whole lot of other things being done in way excess and in very um, potentiated formulations rather than any type of like a a whole plant nourishment type strategy. They were very supplement-based, and it wasn't like just one thing. Um, So, yeah, pre-existing conditions and at least three or four things that were being used way too heavy-handed, including those, I've never heard of them before, comfrey pepsin tablets. Yeah. Comfrey pepsin tablets, okay. Wow. The Comfrey Conference hasn't even started. It's not going to start till May 9th, and look how much we've already learned. So interesting. So interesting. <laughs> so fascinating. We're just going to keep on expanding and growing as we share information with each other so that we can really get to the bottom of this. Is it really Comfrey that's a problem, or is it Pretty much, as I've been maintaining for decades, herbs are safe so long as you don't put them in capsules. Yes. And, you know, maybe it's Herbs are safe when you don't mix them with other things, even other herbs. Yes. And comfrey is such a wise plant that I I don't think it wants to be reduced to a capsule. And some of the wisdom needs to be, it, it, I think some of the plants insist that they are appreciated in their wholeness. And I think comfrey is one of those plants. It's not a supplement plant. There's no supplement that's right. And some plants, I think, insist there, that they're not. Even, even especially not. 
<laughs> yes, they say not me in the supplements. You don't dare. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, thank you. You know, I'm reading these wonderful, interesting letters that I'm getting, and it seems to be kind of um, moving people to write more letters. So here's the letter this week. Wonderful. Susan Weed's focus is the empowerment of women. That includes men. Women are the focus. Spokes of women centered around by other women and men who are in support of her and of each other. Susan acknowledges Patriarchy. She acknowledges the twisted and frayed aspects of our common cultural fabric. Her insistence is that woman be whole. She does not dwell on railing against patriarchy. She focuses on right here, right now. This can be done. This is accessible to anyone. It begins the herbs, with the plants around us. It begins with our breath, a constant miracle available to every human being. I see that Susan is here to guide us to that eternal spring, the spring of our own love, the place from which we drink and fill the space that is hollow and in pain. We fill up and rise up, and from us spills forth. All that is needed to change and grow in ourselves and bring forth the medicine needed on this planet. Mm -hmm. And that's what women do. Yeah. Yes, yes. The spring rises from within, always flowing. Get in touch with that spring. And truly, yeah, so beautiful. So beautiful. So such beautiful words. Oh. I enjoy hearing them every week. Like they, they really just in each person's own way of expressing it. It's amazing the resonance that knowing you and having been so often in your space, not often enough, but once a year, <laughs> at least until last year, um, and uh-huh. maybe more than once. And watching you with myself and others, you're it. it Listening to these people's words, it's just, oh, I love hearing you appreciated because I appreciate you so much. And it takes, I mean, that's what I really realized is that it takes so much energy. You put forth so much energy. It's not easy to be around someone and have them, you know, upset with you or angry with you or, you know, I mean, most of us spend so much of our day trying to be liked and enjoyed and the way that you were able to open me up and that I'm hearing in these letters that um, you just offer the invitation by not being that easy. And instead allowing the real wholeness to come through. And it's not, it's not brutal. It's not abusive. It's just real. And it's so beautiful. And I thank you every day for offering that to me. I'm very grateful and I'm grateful to pass it forward. <laughs> All right. Yes. Every powerful woman is 
important. Speaking of powerful women, at 9 o'clock, Anne Clark is going to be with us, Dr. Anne Clark, a retired professor and a Michael Newton Institute Life Between Lives facilitator. Life Between Lives. Well, you'll have to hang out until 9 o'clock or come back to hear what Anne Clark has to tell us. Anybody with their hand raised? Uh, Yes, we do. We have two callers that have already raised their hands. And I will remind everyone else listening and called in, if you have a question tonight for Susan, do remember to press 1 on your telephone keypad, and you will get lined up in the queue. Our first caller is dialed in from the 559 area code. And from the 559, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. It's Eliani. Hi, Eliani. Hi. um, I'm actually here with Katie in Tennessee, and we met at your Green Goddess Festival a couple of years ago. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Green Goddess Week. And you read my letter a couple of weeks ago, (laughs) and I was so happy. Yes, yes, what fun that you're you're together. Wow, all right. Yeah, Yeah, and I I talked about um, the, you know, it being like my wedding day, and I feel that I feel married to women now, and I feel married to myself and to that power that we we share. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful, Eliani. Thank you. I don't know if you know of any sprinkle. Oh, wow. Susan. Oh, my goodness. So I'm actually calling in to ask you a sex question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you know about any sprinkle. (laughs) If you know that any sprinkle has to do with sex, then you know about any sprinkle. And she and her wife, Beth, have been marrying the earth. Oh, oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 And they have bumper stickers. It says, compost makes me hot. Deep 
into the tissues underlying the Virgin Mary as there is in an erect phallus. It's okay. not just that little Virgin Mary there. It's all of those structures. It's not just the Virgin Mary and the G-spot. Okay, well, that's better than, you know, just the Virgin Mary. But all of those structures and... Um, let's see, a new view of a woman's body, if you can get hold of that, from the Feminist Federation of um, Women's Clinics. It's an old book, but it, it was one of the first to actually document um, from women what goes on for women during orgasm. And okay, so now we're going to have the Virgin Mary, the G spot, and the cervix. No, it's all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. The whole uterus, the ligaments, the tendons. It, there's a huge amount of erectile tissue there. So, what we're really talking about is not one particular place, but I think that what really brings us satisfaction is an orgasm that is felt everywhere in our mm. emotions, in our mm. spirit, in our sense of rightness with everything. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think that a a cervical orgasm is important, is really what I'm saying. That it's way too limited. Hmm. What you want Mm -hmm. is much, much bigger than that. Do Hmm. you know of the work of Sherry Winston? No, not not yet. Sherry Winston is David Winston's sister. David Winston is an herbalist, and Sherry is a past apprentice. She graduated from her apprenticeship a long time ago, and she decided that her real calling was to help women be sexual. And she wrote a book, which I'm sure that you can get hold of, about your anatomy is called the anatomy of female arousal, I believe. Okay. So again, that will help you um, not focus on one little bit of yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, okay, that sounds good. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. I also like uh, Montak Chia's work in this place. Uh-huh. He has some very interesting things to say about okay. um, female sexual energy. Uh-huh. Okay. 
Awesome. And I'm looking at my bookshelf. They're all so good. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, Reclaiming Your Goddess Sexuality by Linda Savage has to be mentioned. Right? Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Michelle Odent says, certainly you're going to include my book, Small but important, the functions of the orgasms, oh. Highways to Transcendence by Michelle Odent. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm excited. All right. That should get you a, a start along the way there. Yeah. <laughs> and you know how wonderful to... Know that it's only going to get better and better the older that you get. That your clitoris is the only tissue in your body that never gets old. The more you learn about your sexuality, the more open you are to pleasure, the more you will have as you get older and older. Wow, that's so beautiful. Yes. Yeah. So enjoy yourself. Okay. And whatever you do, set yourself free from thinking that it has to be any certain way or that anything at all has to happen. Oh, thank you. Okay. I need to say that. All right. Thank you. Okay. Nothing has to happen. Great. Hey, Susan, this is Katie Williams' daughter. I'm with Eliani, and I just wanted to say hi, and I love you. Hi, I love you, too. It's so good to hear your voice. It's, it's, it's such medicine to have my green goddess sister here with me. It is, it's such medicine. It's so wonderful. I'm thrilled, absolutely thrilled, because I know what what real good medicine that is and that yeah. you two have manifested that makes makes me smile all over. <laughs> yes. Oh, Susan, we have a song for you. Can we sing a song? Please do. Very short. They're, they're, they're short. Okay. Rain, rain, come again. Okay. <laughs> to the rain. Yeah. Well, we needed to change the, you know, rain, rain, go away, weird. Yeah. Yes, rain, rain, come today. Mm-hmm. Uh. All Well, we wish you a wonderful evening, Susan. And you both do enjoy. What infusion are you drinking today? Today we had red clover. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what Michael and I are drinking too, is red clover. Mm. Mm. I was And I was just reading uh, some research uh, showing that it really increases the flexibility of all your blood vessels. Oh. Wow. 
Beautiful. Oh, I love that. Yeah, you red clover. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. All right, then. Green blessings. Good night. Love you. Thank Thank you. Bye. 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 All right. How fun. Love, love. And um, let's see. Remind everyone listening, if you have a question for Susan this evening, do remember to press 1 and you will line yourself up in the queue. Our next caller, uh, we have one caller with their hand raised and they are dialed in from the 860 area code. From the 860, you are live with Susan. Hi, good evening, Susan. How are you? I'm very well, and you? I am doing okay. I am calling on the heels of, I guess now this last conversation, but I was inspired to call from last week's show. Um, And I'm trying to recall now if it was a letter you were referring to that disturbed you, if you recall, um, about a woman's conference being transphobic. Do you recall that it that was, you had it, mentioned? It was a conversation. Okay. And yes. I had suggested that she visit Women's Declaration International. Right. And, and she said that it to her it looked transphobic, and I asked her, how she got that idea, and she said, well, they're for women. And I said, what? And she said, well, if you're for women, that means you're transphobic. And that's what disturbed me. Okay, so I am feeling disturbed by that as well because I had a conversation with a friend who um, identifies as bisexual but is married to a man for 20 plus years, was married to another man before that, um, but has um, gay relatives, has a now trans um, grandchild who is, I believe, 15. And with that information, I, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just thinking kind of joyously. I've I've been pondering starting a moon lodge in my area and um with all of this talk of of the trans community i've really been nervous because um i've been afraid of experiencing backlash from saying that this would be a woman's lodge and well, sure then enough they win don't they i'm sorry then they win that's what they want they want you to be afraid they're bullies Okay. They want they want you to be afraid. That's exactly what they want. But even this woman friend said, "Well, it sounds transphobic. Are you telling me that you know a woman, a biological woman who no, uh, has had I, cancer I'm, I'm and, and has had a I know and has had said. a hysterectomy? I'm inter- they I'm aren't allowed. Inter- sure, it, a woman has nothing to do with a uterus. So." If the Pope said that people who are too young to vote or drink should have surgery that will permanently alter their bodies for the rest of their lives, 
tests and should take hormones that will very likely make them infertile for the rest of their lives, I would be against it. Does that make me pope-phobic? Excuse me. If the NBA said that parents should take single-digit children to doctors and demand sex-changing hormones from the doctors, from children under the age of 10, if the NBA said to do that, I would miss it. Does that make me basketball-phobic? I see your point. You know, I was so put on the spot. I, you know, I think I'm just so That's open to hearing want. all sides. They don't, that they don't I want was, they don't want. They don't want any discourse. They don't want to accept people. They right. want to destroy women's culture. I actually was feeling rather bullied by it, and and by that token, you are being bullied. I'm, at, you at are the being end, bullied. It's all right to say I'm going to stand up to the bullies. Yeah. It's always okay to stand up to the bullies. That doesn't mean that most people won't cave. They probably will. But so long as there's somebody to stand up. I mean, you saw the image of that Russian new TV newswoman, right? Yeah. And she walked onto the broadcast with a sign that said they're lying to you, there's a real war going on, and hey, she didn't get roses. She got fired and kicked out, right? Yeah. So I'm not telling you that when you stand up to the bullies, everyone's going to come to your aid. Or that people won't start bad-mouthing you. That will happen. Mm. And that's okay. Because there there does happen to be another Moon Lodge in town that is hosted by actually an herbal school here. And they very proudly say that they welcome everybody who identifies as whatever they want to identify as. And guess what? It's not a Moon Lodge. Right. That's... Kind of what I'm feeling, and I, well, and I feel terrible saying that, but it is not a new watch. Yeah, and in no indigenous culture would trans people be allowed at a moon lodge. And they're trans mm-hmm. people. There are no trans women. There are trans people. Mm. And again, I want to say that I've been involved with the trans community for over thirty years. I was teaching at the Open Center, and after my talk, a man approached me and he said, you know, I want to talk to you, and I'm an MD, and we went and sat somewhere, I think in my car actually, and talked, because and, I don't drink, so I wasn't like going to go out for a drink. And he told me that he was helping people transition, and he really wanted herbal support. So I was working with him, so I know people, and my experience has been that they're not bullies, and they wouldn't push themselves in this way, that this is something else, and that the fact that it's being confused with trans people is a disservice to trans people, because the ones that that, I know... That's kind of been the inkling that I've been getting... Wouldn't pull this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
really, yeah, and I, and I do really feel do, that it's, I think it's, do I think it's okay for there to be a sexual agenda in kindergarten? No, I do not think it's all right for there to be any sexual agenda in kindergarten. Right. This is sexualizing children. This is, some people say that this is setting the kids up for pedophilia. It's grooming children by introducing the idea of sex into kindergarten and the idea that you could be any sex. I don't know, but what I know is kindergarten, first, second, third grade, it's not an appropriate place for anybody to be talking about these issues. Right? So what do we want? We want to see good images everywhere in our culture of a variety of people of different sizes, different beliefs, different ways of being in the world, and we want to be able to experience the joy and beauty and the diversity of human beings. Right. Is that what you're doing? Sounds um, like it. Yeah, I Empowering mean... Empowering women will always bring about beauty and joy. And that's that's what I've kind of been hung up on is when you were talking to the last caller and you were speaking about, you know, exploring ourselves and keeping exploring as you age. Um, I know that was in reference to sex, that it gets better, but it's, you know, we're constantly trying to learn who we are and it's it almost, not almost, it does, it just feels that with this other um, agenda going on, you know, socially, that women are still getting pushed aside and that we're still not able to explore the best that we can because now the focus is, well, you're not including us. Well said. Again, well, I just wanted to speak to the Women's person Declaration who... International, which has a Zoom um, program every Saturday morning, and women from around the world, and there's four speakers every Saturday, talk to you about what's happening in their country. And there was a, a woman college professor here in the United States who documented the parallels between what's going on with the transgender and how slavery was set in place in terms of getting the whole slave trade and slaves here into North America. And she says, step one, you have to deny the personhood and confuse the personhood. Mm. Then you have to deny their culture. And then you have to make both any remnants of the person and the culture inferior. So what you are doing is directly countering that by saying, this is my culture as a woman, and I am establishing this and doing this, and it's not inconsequential. Can you say the name of that meeting again? 
Women's Declaration mm-hmm. International. Okay. Thank you. And so well, if I could backtrack it slightly to when you mentioned that being a woman has nothing to do with the uterus. Can you expound on that a little bit? Yes. Ovaries produce eggs. The egg and the sperm meet up to make a baby. One of the unique things about both sperm and egg is that they have only half of what's needed to make a whole cell. They actually have to combine. The egg always contains the X chromosome. Mm -hmm. The sperm can contain either an X chromosome or a Y chromosome. If the sperm is an X chromosome, it combines with the X egg, and the result is a woman, an adult female homo sapiens. If the sperm has a Y and it combines with the egg, then we have XY, and the result is a man, an adult male homo sapiens. So XX in every cell has an enormous impact on what is going on in your body. XY in every cell similarly has a huge impact on what's going on in your body. If you were to remove the testicles of a man who's at puberty or going through puberty or gone through puberty, you do not remove his potency. The harems had eunuchs who were potent Mm. in terms of being able to get an erection but didn't have any sperm to donate. If you were to further take that person and give them estrogen, you would get secondary sexual characteristics from the estrogen, but they would not nullify the effects of the testosterone, which are permanent because of the Y chromosome. Anybody can call themselves anything they want to. I have no problem with that. I want to. I want to clarify. But I don't I either. Want to be clear <laughs> that a woman has double X chromosomes, mm-hmm. and the Moon Lodge is for people with double X chromosomes, which I call women. If someone wants to call themselves that and they don't have double X chromosomes, then we're going to have to say that we don't have a consensual reality and I can't entertain anyone at my place who doesn't share reality with me. 
you know, I've been thinking about how to, and I'm not sure I can revisit this conversation with that person because it seems to make them very, very upset. Um, and I'm, you know, I don't need to change anybody's mind, but by the same token, I need to find a way to figure out how to say these kinds of things in the moment because in the moment I get too, I don't want to say sheepish, but I, I, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, and it, being afraid to say the wrong thing, I end up just they win. placating. They win. Yeah. Yeah, and I again, I have nothing wrong with trans people, but it's, you know, it's almost like, you know. Agenda is yeah. seriously off base at this point. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the individual people or people's rights. It has to do with an agenda that is out of bounds and harmful. I would be against it if the Pope were for it. I would be against it if the NBA were for it. I would be against it because to me it is abuse of human rights. I I tend to agree, and I was very um, interested, and, you know, I I couldn't believe that that you had talked about that last week, and I said, I really, I've never, I've listened to you for years and years, (laughs) and I've never called in, and um, this one just has been really bugging me, and I I thought you would be the best person to talk to about this, um, because it kind of makes me feel crazy. You know, when when stuff like this comes up and having had that conversation, I end up off the phone feeling like the crazy person. You're supposed to feel crazy. Your culture is being taken away from you and you are being erased and eliminated. That should make you feel crazy. Right. And your appropriate response is to stand up and say, no, I am going to maintain the culture and I am going to be visible. And if that means that I'm going to be vilified... So be it. Mm. it it's, it's almost true. a form of gaslighting because they, you know, this person claims the same thing. Well, then, you know, they deserve to be visible also. Well, why can't they, they be visible, visible in your own group? That, that does not mean that you have to invite them into right. your ceremony. Right. Yeah. It has nothing to do with visibility or acceptability. You're not inviting a skunk to your ceremony. <laughs> but you're not anti-skunk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's rather similar to women who say to me, you don't get a mammogram? And I say, it's interesting to me that you focus on what I don't do. Can you tell me what you do to take care of your breasts? Mm. <laughs> and yeah. of course, usually they they have no answer at all. I said, "Well, this is what I do to take care of my breasts." I said, "Now you're telling me that somehow I'm wrong for not having a mammogram, and yet who's really taking care of her health here?" Good point. And I have been around enough to. Meet the woman who had the aggressive breast cancer, which between the all-clear mammogram and the next one a year later, she died of that breast cancer. 
So I, and I have been certainly been around to see massive amounts of over-treatment of women. And the over-treatments with lifelong, again, lifelong difficulties from the treatment. Do you think that the over-treatment has to do with the, um, oh gosh, how do you, how do you word this? And it would not sound terrible, but the, 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 the diminishment of women. In other words, thinking that, you know, the, the overall thought that, uh, you the know, damn distress, basically. There's a national task force that looks into whether or not um, testing for cancer is worthwhile. And quite some time ago now, that task force said mammograms are not worth it. More women are maimed and hurt and suffer lifelong disabilities because of over-treatment than are saved from cancer by mammograms. And I don't know if you remember, but women were encouraged to rise up and say, you can't take mammograms away from us. Yeah, yeah. I do remember. You know, it was a very disappointing day in in my day book of loving women. (laughs) But sometimes you have disappointing days when you love something. Well, Susan, I really appreciate talking with you. I know there's many people who want to talk to you, so I will yeah. let you go. Um, but yes. thank and you very much for entertaining word, this conversation. You are yes, yes. Stay in your love, but stay focused. You want to provide a safe space for women to be together. Yeah. And I don't think there should be anything wrong with focus. wanting that camaraderie. Keep that focus. Don't, do not be dissuaded from your chosen path. So when someone says to you, well, why don't you include trans people, you can say, that's not my chosen path. Thank you. That's all. Yeah. You don't owe them an explanation. It's not your chosen path. I need to make that my my creed, my daily affirmation. I don't need to explain anything to anybody. <laughs> you do not need to explain anything to anyone. No. <laughs> Good reminder. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Good blessings. Thank Good night. Thanks Dream blessings. Good night. All right. And there oh, are interesting questions off. tonight. Wow. Those were very interesting questions, and I will just say, I was for some reason before the call tonight, I was really thinking about the concept of self-silencing and yes women you know acknowledge what self-silencing is and don't participate in that um you know our ancestors were silenced long enough and be aware if we're self-silencing and if if we choose to self-silence acknowledge that that is a choice and sometimes that actually hurts more than saying nothing um, or saying the wrong thing, excuse me. So, yeah, say something if you feel like you should say something. Um, yeah, self-silencing is oh, not something that I choose to be a part of. It takes a lot of strength. 
And sometimes you might be the only person in the room willing to say something, but say it. All right. So we have two callers with their hands. Um, the next well, caller is calling. It's interesting that you, you say that because when I first started saying I was a witch, um, because witch is a European word for shaman, um, people would routinely say to me, are you a black witch or a white witch? Mm. And I would stretch up my arm and say, well, white, I don't know, actually maybe pink? And they would say, and they would say that's not what I mean. And I would say, what do you mean? And they would say, are you a good witch or a bad witch? And I would say, which is which? Mm. And they, their eyes would goggle and they would say, say to me, are you kidding me? I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, white is good and black is bad. I said, all right, let's sit ourselves down for Susan's mini lecture on racism. Yeah. And after hundreds of mini lectures on racism, I said, you know what? This is really important work, but right now I have other work that needs to be done. So I'm going to call myself a green witch, and then I won't get this white and black thing. And that is literally why I started calling myself a green witch. I love that. The plants love it, too. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay, so there's two callers. Let's get to one of them, at least. The next caller is dialed in from the 603 area code. From the 603, you are live with Susan. Hello, Susan. I'm so happy to be talking to you again. It's Rose calling. Hi, Rose. I'm so glad you called. Hi, honey. It's been it's been a while. Um, it's been about one. I think it's been about a month and a half since I last called you. Before I get into that, if I may, I would like to ask you a question. What you were just talking about, if I may? Please. Oh, great. Um, yeah. Um, I've often wondered about that because you know, um, I, I you just said how you know you prefer being called a green witch, and I've heard you say that many times before. Um. I was thinking, wow, I mean, I've been I've been close to herbs and plants ever since I could walk just about and was always out in the woods and close to nature and talking to God from the tree, you know, climbing the trees and and learning all the names of the plants and talking to them and and you know, uh doing lots of things with the plants out in the wild and um I don't know. I personally uh, ever since I was a little girl, you know, when you're, you've read, you've been read, I've been read stories, you know, about witches and such, and there were good witches and bad witches. I don't know. I, um, uh, would you feel more comfortable or calling yourself a, a shaman instead of a witch? I often, I always wanted to ask you that. Um, how do you feel about that? Like, I, well, I do, I do call myself a shaman. I train shamanic apprentices. You do. Tra- you say you train shamanic pr- apprentices. Apprentices, exactly. I've, I've graduated 322 shamanic apprentices from the Living Program here at my house, and that is, does not count the apprentice groups that I've had in Germany, Florida, the Green Goddess Apprentice Weeks, the Live Out Apprentices, which probably altogether would number an, another 200, 250. Yeah. Yes, I see. I I know you've you've had a lot of apprentices. Those are, I've never those thought are, of 
does a shamanic work for me, my ancestry on my father's side mm-hmm. is primarily Russian. My oh. grandfather was a Russian Jew who fled the pogroms in the early 1900s. And my dad was the youngest of the children and the only child that was born in the United States. Okay. His siblings were all born in Russia. So I just barely squeak in as second generation. And there's an admixture of Finnish and Lithuanian on my dad's side. My mom's side is from deep Europe. Deep Europe. From from Alsace-Lorraine, from Switzerland, and from the place where all the witches went to from mid-Europe, Hungary. Yes. Ah, I see. Okay. So that's where the, the witch, the term or the name witch is, uh, is more, was more popular uh, from the details. where they come from. Maybe your great, great grandmother was one. The witches were wise, wise women, they say. And there's a little witch in every woman today. <laughs> that was great. You know, you can great. take it by degrees. You can call yourself a wise woman. Why, I like that. You can call yourself a wise woman, and that's, you know, that's the same form. The wise woman, the sage femme, the sage femme. And that's pretty mild, and nobody's going to get too offended by that. But you can step it up. Mm -hmm. And you can say, I'm a green witch, I'm a hedge witch. Right, I'm a this witch, I'm a that witch. And that's Mm -hmm. a little more, "Mm." and Mm -hmm. it's just a little more about how much power you're willing to display and to take and to be responsible for. Mm-hmm. You can call onto yourself the very great difficulty and onus of being a shaman who works for the community. The shaman has no personal goals. The shaman is the community mm-hmm. thing. So mm-hmm. it's a very um, it's a very extreme requirement. To be willing to give enough to be a shaman. Or you can even take it one step further and be a bodhisattva. What was that one? Bodhisattva. The bodhisattva is the enlightened one who refuses to leave until all are enlightened. And chooses reincarnation, life after life, with full knowledge that they don't have to be here. But come to make Life easier for others. Kuan Yin is a bodhisattva. And that originated uh, that language comes from that's the Buddhist thing. Yeah, that originated. Yeah. Yeah, but this this is stepping stepping up in power and responsibility, isn't it? Yes, it sure is. It sure is. Any of those any of those that you feel called to claim if you're willing to step into that responsibility, mm-hmm. Then, mm-hmm. then please do. Well, I've been on track to, that, to doing that for a long time. I've grown so much over the years. 
But right now, I don't want to take up too much of your time in case there are other callers wanted to get to you, but because I want to get back to my, uh, my original reason for calling. And that is, first of all, I want to thank you so much because when I called you last time, uh, about a month and a half ago, like I said, um, I was in uh, deep concern for my sister, you might remember, and uh, I couldn't get to her. She's out of state, three-hour three, three hour drive, um, but I was trying to get to her. But at, the, at that time, I was in too much pain with my um, severe scoliosis, and um, I had been, I'd been working hard at physical therapy and doing my stretches on my own and things for myself ever since last March so I could get to her. But um, at the point when I called, she had suddenly um, uh, was taken very ill with a urinary tract infection and wasn't uh, taken to the hospital. Um, and um, eventually she was when she was discovered. And um, But the doctors didn't feel she was going to make it because of the sepsis. You might remember that. Yes, I do. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. I know you have so many calls, and so I just wanted to update you. Well, you suggested to me because I I was you know in uh, despair and feeling very sad because I wanted to do do something for Herb, and I I have my I had my jars all prepared, the car loaded with all the herbs all weighed out, you know, to start. Um, you know, when she was ready and also her husband was, is ready to start learning, to start um, drinking the infusions um, I'm, I'm making for them. And, and he is now willing to learn to do that for his, his wife. Um, so, I mean, it took, it took a long time, you know, for, for him to get to that point. But I know that my sister got to that point before she got so ill that she can't even think for herself anymore because she, you know, was, uh, is in, was in such trouble. But anyway, um, I wanted to update with you, you about that. Now, I still haven't been able to get out to her. I, was, I did recover very well, and I've been preparing my, my house and, and cooking and freezing um, things to leave with my husband and, and cooking and freezing things for me to go when, when um, I'm ready to leave here to drive out of state to go so, uh, be of service to both my sister and her husband, who is now um, having extreme dementia. And my sister is also in that, uh, in that state where she's, she's uh, having dementia. And um, so um, I, I'm trying to get there, but I need to tell you that I have regressed because ever since I last called you and prior to that, it's actually been since Christmas, ever since I sang a solo at church, I, I remember it because it was Christmas Eve, I was feeling pretty good and I was able to sing Christmas Eve solo at church and the next day I celebrated Christmas Day with my grandchildren. But after that, I um, I started pulling all-nighters uh, ever since ever since December 26, and trying to get ready and do things, and as as well as keeping up with my physical therapy. But then I stopped doing my physical therapy because I just was so desperate to get things done here, you know, so I could go be of service. But now I unfortunately, um, have regressed the last two weeks. I have been taking care of my husband who came down 
We still don't know what his problem is, but he seems to be getting better because he has finally agreed to take to drink my infusions that I've been drinking because of you for about five years now. And I have, um, I have, um, you know, improved greatly. Um, but um, I came down with, I think, was food poisoning for a couple weeks now. And um, I was really too ill to even call you the last couple of ever since um, I've had it. So um, uh, to update you, I'm doing a little bit better. I went through um, diarrhea like a natural cleaning out process, but I, you know, I, I lost my appetite. I was just so nauseated. I felt like it was food poisoning. I had food poisoning once before when I went to Costa Rica when I stayed in the city and uh, got food poisoning there, um, but didn't when I was up in the mountains and living naturally, you know. But um, So I know what food poisoning is like. So I felt like that's what it was. Um, all I treated myself, I, I was tr- with homeopathy, which I studied many, many years ago. Um, as far as the herbs, um, of course, I was, <laughs> I was, I taught my husband how to make the slippery elm balls with the honey. So <laughs> he's he's learned from me, and he also has been um, taking those because that's what he, his trouble is. We don't know what his diagnosis was, but he started with this nausea, but it was more than nausea. His was like a pain in the upper. He said it was in his stomach. He felt it was his stomach. And but he's a veteran and he couldn't he still the doctor still hasn't been able to see him. So I managed finally to talk him into going to urgent care just to check things out. But anyway, um, so far, the doctor has not seen him. But um, I because I have regressed and have been feeling so weak, um, what he he has been solely relying on the slippery elm balls and um, we've been alternating making them. But in my case, I'm pretty sure it was, um, you know, the, the food poisoning. Now, I'm to the point where um, I am still just so very weak. I still have some nausea. Um, I'm very weak and very little energy. So I've lost all that energy. Um, and, I'm, of course, my back pain has worsened because I haven't been able to, um, to um, work out at the gym. But I've just been doing stretches at home. Um, but I, I need to get my energy back, and I still have a slight nausea. I'm eating uh, two two meals a day, so my appetite is good. I'm craving um, cold things like um, uh, like cold, frozen um, blueberries and um, pomegranate seeds. But I'm e- eating warm soups. Um, Vet, you know, vegetables, a, a little fish in it, or chicken, or turkey. Um, my appetite is good, and I feel good as I'm eating, but after, like, about an hour, the nausea returns. And like I say, the main thing is my total, total lack of energy, and I've had it ever since December, um, you know, the day after Christmas when I started preparing to go care for my sister. But um, I need to get that back because, you know, I really want to finish up um, when I get my husband all set um, and myself all packed up again because all the food I had packed up and bought fresh and thought I was going to be leaving in a couple of days didn't happen. Um, And my, you know, so I have a freezer full of stuff and I can just, Pack that, well, let me ask you where up. your sister lives. Is there no stores there? 
Yes, but I figure once I get there, I don't want to spend my time shopping. I just want, you know, so I have all that done and the food prepared so that when I stay with um, my sister's husband. you bring up food poisoning because when you were talking about that, I thought, oh, dear. I know more than a handful of people who've Mm -hmm. done that who wind up with pretty bad food poisoning. Because of what? It's just difficult to keep the temperature even. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That, um, the food poisoning, however, I, <laughs> wasn't from my food. I'm very sure of that because the food I'm that not, I'm not saying it was, but I'm mm-hmm. saying that in general, uh-huh. especially if you're caring for sick people, it is, yes. my experience has been that it's far better to buy food where those people are living than to bring anything in okay well it is frozen i i cooked it and froze it right away so it's been put away and i'm done doing that and and i also okay, cook good. It and good. And you'll be able to keep it nice and cold as you take it oh, there yeah. oh yeah yes i, yes, I will so mm-hmm. i was i was hoping you could help me susan have any suggestions for me um because i really um i took uh a little bit of, I took uh, at first some Nux Vomica for the nausea because I brought up my my children on, on homeopathy before I got deep uh, more deeply into the study of herbs um, with, with your help. Um, and, um, and of course, um, my husband was so kind. I said, honey, I haven't been able to save up to buy her book. You know, it's been out for a couple of years. I said, now that I, I don't have any energy, maybe I can read a little bit in bed. I feel so sick, you know, and I'm, I'm dizzy. You know, I'm losing my balance, and I never had that before. So um, I need to recover, but I started reading that your newest book, and it's just awesome. It is just, I'm Thank so you. glad. No, it's oh just, it is just so, so beautiful, uh, so much of value there. But I don't want to get off track, so I don't take too much of your time, but if you could have some suggestions for me, please, for my extreme fatigue, very little energy, um, no, no fever. Actually, I'm, uh, I've been chilly off and on. I've been getting out in the sun when I can because you, um, I'm in New Hampshire, so these days have been, that you know, we've had 70-degree days a couple of days ago, and then it freezes. I mean, you know, the weather has been crazy, as I'm sure it has been where you oh, are. That's spring weather. So, you know, I have a pretty interesting idea about energy. I think that every single one of us has 100 units of energy at all times. But that, yeah. I need but to that, it, but it varies as to how much of that energy you're using to run your inner system and therefore how much you have available for outside work. Could you say more, please? I don't think I get it yet. So I have 100 units of energy, and you have 100 units of energy. Yes. And we both encounter some difficult situation together. Yes. And I internalize that situation and I'm using energy inside myself to think about it and think about comebacks and think about how this or that or the other thing, whereas you let it go. 
You let it go. Therefore, you have more energy than I do, so it seems, because you have more energy to put out, because I'm using a greater amount of my energy internally. So when people say to me, I don't have energy, what I say is, you do. You have as much energy as you always have, but you are using more of it internally. Take a look. Take inventory. What are you using it on? Where can you save internal energy? And again, I want to thank Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who really put me onto this and really made me understand that if I wanted to have a lot of energy to use for doing outside things, then I needed to really take care of what was going on inside me. Okay. In my case, Susan, I hear, I, I believe, I, hear, I think I hear what, you, what you're trying to tell me, that I have, I mean, that I'm using up the energy that's inside me. Um, now, in my case, I was pulling too many all-nighters deliberately so I could get work done, thinking that I could get there sooner to my sister and my and my brother-in-law. Um, and and I, and I know that 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 that, 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 that backfires, doesn't it, Rose? That it backfired, sure. And I told myself, no more. I'm calling Susan tonight, and I started. Two nights ago, no more all-nighters. I'm too sick. I can't, I mean, I can't do it anymore because I wore myself out, not getting enough sleep, sleep-deprived, and I was starting to lose my short-term memory, and I don't want to, you know, do that to my body so that I'm going to, you know, get dementia too. So I'm looking to, um, to sleep more now, and I realize because I pulled so many all-nighters, I'm talking about... At five times a week, I'd pull an all-nighter since since January. I don't even know, you know, how I was still functioning, but I finally crashed, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, after, well, since I've had this uh, this um, intestinal thing going on, that um, you know, with the nausea, um, just weak. So that the other thing so too, isn't more. it? That more yeah. of your energy is being used inside to help you deal with that food poisoning. Yeah, that's on top of what, but I was already exhausted from too many all-nighters, not, not taking good care of myself because everybody needs sleep. And I was pulling night after five times a week. I mean, it was ridiculous. But you know what? I, I actually realized that, now that I'm allowing myself to go to bed the same time every night, trying to get myself on a, on a schedule, um, it's, I'm not feeling as good as I was when I was pulling all-nighters. You know, I mean, I could go, it's crazy. It's so like, I know, I told my husband, you know what, I did, I wasn't being good to my body. So now I know, I feel like my it's going to take my body now to adjust to my giving it regular bedtime and, you know, bedtime and not 
not deliberately pulling all-nighters. So now I'm, I'm finally able to sleep a little bit every night. I'm still waking up, but I'm not getting up to work like I would do before, you know, I, like All I right. would do at first. Rose, I'm lying I'm going to go on to the next caller. Oh, I really so appreciate you, and I appreciate your calling in. And call back again sometime, okay? Can you suggest anything before you let me go? Please? I am suggesting something, and you're doing it. Take care of yourself. Learn to rest. When I we mean, feel like we don't have any energy, we need to look within and see yeah. how am I using that energy inside myself. It's one of the ways I knew I had cancer. Uh-huh. I said, oh, I'm using more energy internally. What's going on? And I looked and I said, oh, that's what's going on. Okay, okay. Oh, and I just... We all I'm, have 100 units of energy. How much are you using internally? How much are you using okay. externally? If you want more externally, the only way to get it is to use less internally. Thank you. And I want to give you kudos because I meant to t- say at the very beginning of this conversation that when I felt badly, you you suggested, I uh, I'm sure you remember this, you said... What is your sister's name? And I told you, and you said, do you feel close? Um, um, what word did you use? Psych, psych, um, do you feel yes. close? Psych, what is the word you used? Um, psychic, oh, I can't say it. I'm, I'm psychically? So yes, psychically to her. And I said, yes, I, I believe so, because we were always very close um, out of the four sisters. You know, she and I were the closest to each other. And you suggested to me then Send her love and positive thoughts. You can send, and I have been doing that, and it has given me such peace. And she has been hanging in. She did not die. That that last antibiotic, that was her last hope. The doctors didn't think she was going to make it. She pulled through. She's hanging in, but she's still not doing well. I feel, you know, she still needs me, Her, you know, because um, we were so close that I can be an encouragement to her. And um, you know, bring her the infusions and whatnot. But um, I wanted Wonderful. to thank, thank you, Rose. I only have ten minutes so, for the last caller. Thanks. Okay, Green blessings. Bye, so bye, Rose. Bye, bye. Green blessings. All right. And it looks like we do have two callers, but the one who's been hanging on the longest and waiting is from the nine zero seven area code. From the nine zero seven, you are live with Susan. Hey, so I'm going to try to make this, try to cut this short. Um, I don't know if you were you were talking earlier uh, about the uh, man that's trying to impersonate as a woman swimmer. I don't know if you were I was, discussing I that. I was not specifically talking about the trans person who has been competing in women's swimming events. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he's really trans, but I when I that the whole well, situation. I believe that you must at least claim to be. He's claiming to be. Yes, yes. So what you know? What came into my mind? You know how people go. Oh, what would Buddha do in this situation? I thought of a woman that my mother used to really like, and I, <laughs> I was like, it was. Bella Abzug. What would Bella Abzug do today? I just wanted to say that. Um, but I'm calling about my knee. 
Bella would Bella would put a hat on it. <laughs> yeah, Bella would. <laughs> okay, so since we only have a couple minutes, I okay, I tell have me about your a, knee. I have a spur, and I fell recently in my I fell recently, and like I'm in agony, and I was wondering. Come free, come free, come free, Are you doing compasses? Comfrey, comfrey, compresses, poultices. So when I had an injury to bones, to ligaments, to tendons, I like to use comfrey. Symphytum, the knit, what pulls all those tissues back together again. And I make an infusion using one ounce of dried comfrey leaf and a quart of water. And I strain that. And then I had wet, rehydrated leaves and liquid. And Mm -hmm. I can take a cloth and put it in the liquid and put that on the affected area. I can put the wet leaves in a cloth and put the cloth, which is now kind of damp, on the affected area. I can take the leaves in the cloth and put it in the freezer if I want something cold. It doesn't have to be frozen Mm. hard, but it can be in the freezer for half an hour until it gets semi-frozen. I can warm it up. I can uh, use the liquid as a soak if the injury is to something that can be soaked. Uh, Knees, you can't, it's very difficult to soak a knee, so forget soaking knees. Did you say the leaves also? Yeah, I've been talking about the leaves. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, uh, What was the also? I thought you You can use the liquid. You can use the liquid, and you can use the leaves. Okay. So you make an infusion, and you have the infusion. You can drink the infusion if you want to. You can use the infusion. As a soak, you can soak a cloth in the infusion and apply that. You can take the cloth, wet or dry, and put the comfrey leaves from the infusion in the cloth and apply that. And you can take the leaves in the cloth and put it in the freezer if you want it cold. Or you can even heat up the liquid and soak the cloth in the hot liquid and apply it hot. So you have a huge variety of different ways that you can use that comfrey infusion. Okay, perfect. And I know you've got a few minutes. I'm going to do it. Thank you. I'm going to do it right now. Let's see if we can get this last caller in. Okay, ciao. All righty. Bye-bye. Green blessings. Green blessings. All right. And we have one last caller dialed in from the 808 area code. From the 808, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm enjoying myself tonight. How about you? I'm doing doing well, yeah. Um, well, let's make it real quick, huh? All right. I, <laughs> I am calling to ask you about, gosh, how do we make it quick? Well, insomnia. Let's focus on that. Okay. Tell me about your insomnia. Can you not go to sleep or do you go to sleep and then wake up? Going to sleep pretty much easily most of the time, but waking up 
earlier than I would like to, and um, just feeling like my sleep is very easily disturbed. Um, and yeah, not not getting deep sleep. So you go to sleep easily, and you stay asleep for four to five hours. Typically, yeah, yes. I would say I go to sleep maybe around 10 and wake up around 4 a.m. is an, a frequent pattern. Okay, well, that's actually six hours. That's six hours, yeah. She's really well, sometimes night. I wake up a couple She's times really in between. You think so? Absolutely. <laughs> I feel so tired. I feel so tired. I hear you, you know. Mm-hmm. I complained to Elizabeth Kubler-Ross that I felt tired that she wasn't giving us enough time to sleep. And she looked at me and she said, well, sleep isn't what makes you tired or not tired. She said, it's rest. She said, you don't know how to rest. Ah. And when you know how to rest, you'll find that whatever sleep you get is sufficient. And she's right. Uh-huh. She's absolutely right now. That said, you don't have to leap out of bed when you wake up. Mm-hmm. So if you go to bed at 10 and you wake up at 4 o'clock, you are allowed to listen to that podcast that you wanted to listen to. You are allowed to meditate. Mm-hmm. You are allowed to um, read that book you've been wanting to read. Yes. And that's, that's rest and recuperation time. Insomnia usually involves difficulty getting to sleep and then waking up in two hours or less. Okay. Most of indigenous people sleep for only four or so hours at a time. Hmm. This whole thought that we're supposed to lay down and sleep for eight hours is basically due to industrialization. Uh-huh. Right? Because it works better for the bosses to have you all sleeping at the same time and then all coming, you know, getting up and coming to work together. Right. Whereas in a more natural, shall we say, situation... Um, people, especially in tropical situations, tend to have a four-hour sleep during the night and then be up for the cool part of the night and early morning and then sleep again for four hours in the hot part of the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> It doesn't, you know, necessarily work out great if you have to show up for a nine-to-five job, and I understand that. But I will also say that the most important thing is to really take a look at what you were telling yourself. Uh Before COVID, I traveled quite a bit. And like any person, it can be difficult for me 
to get to sleep in a strange bed in a strange place after traveling for hours through strange places. Mm-hmm. And I have a choice. I can lay there in that strange bed in that strange place and say, I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to be so tired tomorrow. I'm not getting any sleep at all. I'm going to be so cranky tomorrow. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. I'm not sleeping. This is just going to be terrible tomorrow. Or I can lay there and say, ah, yes. Ah, The part of me that is alerted by strange situations is very alert right now. And all the other parts of me can be at rest and can take this quiet and this dark for the deepest rest possible. Yes. Yes. Perfect. We don't have to make ourselves follow any particular guideline. Life is always going to present us with challenges. I think that the healthiest choice to those challenges is not to chide ourselves for not doing the right thing, but to find that mental state that is happy about it. Oh, wow, I'm not sleeping. How wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Well, part of me that protects me is doing a great job. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Susan. You're so perfect. (laughs) Aww. (laughs) Life is such a joy. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you for calling and sharing with us. Thank you. Good blessing. Good night. And do we have Anne with us? We do. Anne is here with us. Dr. Ann Clark, a retired professor, is a Michael Newton Institute Life Between Lives facilitator. Her work has led her to look for the gift in life's difficult and challenging experiences. What were we just talking about? How perfect. Several years ago, she suffered the unexpected loss of her adult daughter, Ouch, and has since developed a specialty in healing from loss, offering great loss workshops. A gifted writer and speaker, Anne is co-author of Wisdom of Souls, winner of a 2020 Cover Gold Book Award and author of the forthcoming Healing from Great Loss, Facing Pain and Grief to Recover Your Authentic Self. She is a recipient of the prestigious Peggy Newton Award. Welcome to the show, Dr. Clark. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Ah. As the mother of a daughter who just turned 56, I really feel that great, great loss. And in writing about the seven medicines in my book, Abundantly Well, I decided to call that deep medicine. And the deep medicine gives us exactly, as you say, a tremendous opportunity to... Um, go through the eye of the needle, have everything removed from us, and come back better than before. Yes, absolutely. It's experiences such as loss that 
cause us to become better people, more compassionate, more sensitive, and to grow spiritually. But we don't feel that way when it first happens. When it first happens, it can be a devastating experience. And I was um, intrigued by your mention of the 100 units of energy, that if we're using too much energy inside, we have much less for outside activities. I would say that when we're grieving, we use up a tremendous amount of energy inside attempting to cope with what has happened to us. And so we experience what I would call profound fatigue that can go on for literally years. I have seen that, absolutely. It's part of why I began to understand that, that we really have the same energy all the time. It's just where it's appearing, what we, what we need to do with that energy, because it takes a lot to keep yourself together when you suffer a great loss. Yes, it really does. And if we don't take the time to address the loss, then we will not adequately heal from it. My book is, it's now out, by the way, I think that was an earlier um, piece of information I sent you. It came out in January, so it is available, Healing from Great Loss. And the book is not for when you first experience a loss. It's for after you have passed through the typical stages of grieving and your friends and family may think you're back to normal because you're back at your job perhaps and back at your usual activities, but you feel dead inside and all the joy has gone out of your life. This book is my healing journey when that happened to me. It's what I did to heal and get back to finding joy in my life again. I'm so moved that you took the time to write that down, to create a map for others, because in the very great grief that I suffered, which I was in for four years, um, it was very difficult to find anyone who understood uh, how how much I had to reconstruct of my life. Yes, absolutely. And I want to say that there are different sorts of losses. I had lost my mother and my younger brother and had gone through a divorce before I lost my daughter. All of those losses were painful, but nothing hit me like the loss of my daughter did. There are losses in our lives which I describe as great losses that occur when we lose something that is very essential to our core identity. And it, these losses occur at a time when we're not as connected with our inner guidance as we could be, and thus we're left floundering afterwards because we really have to reconstruct our lives really from the foundation because we've been upended. I started a poem then. I've looked at the world so long through lens we shared that to see on my own requires me to tear my face off. Wow. Yes. Yes, that's that's profound. Yes, I think what it happens is, to it's us... That, it's that visceral within us. And it's, 
I think what what I say to people is really important is allow it to be symbolic. Yeah. Don't freak yourself out saying, "Oh my gosh, I want to tear my face off." No, no, it's just sim- it's symbolic. It's okay. <laughs> You will feel that way, but you're not going to do it. Yes, thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> you yeah, may be driving symbolic. down the road and think, I feel so bad, I'm just going to drive right off the, the, the three-way overpass. Great. You can think that. It's symbolic. You're not going to do it. Yes. One of the things that makes loss so hard is if we don't heal previous losses, when we have another loss, all of those old losses come back up for healing. And so experiencing a great loss is an excellent opportunity to heal, not from just your current loss, but from many losses in the past. And it allows you to come out of the loss experience feeling better than ever and having more happiness in your life than you did before. That is certainly something that we all say, really? Really, I, I can I can come out of this better, not worse, because we tend to think of grief as somehow pulling us under. Yes, and I think one of the big questions that we always ask when we experience a loss is why. Um, you mentioned that I was a Michael Newton Institute Life Between Lives facilitator. The work of Dr. Michael Newton revealed to us that we are actually souls who come to earth and join with the human body to have experiences, to learn, to grow, and and to enjoy ourselves. Part of our experience on earth is experiencing grief. We plan our lives before we are born. We plan what's going to happen to us, who we're going to meet, uh, who's, who's going to be in our lives, And we plan some difficult and challenging experiences so that we can learn from them. There is no loss in heaven or the spirit realm. It's a happy, harmonious place of love and joy. So there is no loss there. We come to earth to experience loss. And so loss is actually an experience that we wanted but once we're born, we forget that we planned that, and we see loss as a devastating event in our life rather than as a gift that allows us to learn and grow spiritually and build soul character. At a workshop, a woman told us that her daughter had been senselessly, needlessly killed, her teenage daughter. And that she spiraled down into this horrible, horrible grief and she just wouldn't do anything at all, totally, completely depressed. And after years, she had a dream and her daughter came to her in a dream and she said, for goodness sakes, I am up here in a line so many miles long I can't even see where it's going, waiting for a new body and you are wasting your body? Would you stop grieving for me now? (laughs) Oh, that's a wonderful story. Yes, our loved ones in spirit want us to be happy. Um, The other thing that I talk about in my book is that we don't really die. Our loved ones continue to live in spirit. They are interested in staying close to us. 
They're interested in continuing to be a part of our lives, and they definitely want us to be happy. If you've lost a husband or a boyfriend, they want you to find new love. They want you to be happy, not feel guilty about it. And as in the story that you just related, our loved ones don't want to see us grieve for years and years for them and waste our lives. They want us to make use of every precious day that we have here living on earth. That's what she said. You got a body. Enjoy it. Not everybody has one. Yes, that's very true. When we experience a loss, it it affects all parts of our being. It affects us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And when we experience a great loss, uh, all of our life is disrupted. Uh, we have may have trouble with eating. We may either eat too much or lose our appetite. Our sleep is disrupted. We just talked a bit. Uh, you just talked a bit about insomnia. Sleep problems are very common after a loss. They can go on literally for years. We also can have a lot of problems with fatigue, the energy. Uh, you can feel absolutely fatigued for years and years after loss until you actually go through some active healing. I was adopted into the Wolf Clan of the Seneca Nation and Grandmother Twyla um, very much believed that when we feel that fatigue, it was because the person who had died didn't actually know that they were dead. Ah, interesting. And that they were um, holding on to us as an anchor. And she had a very specific releasing ceremony in which we release that dead person and ask them to release us. That's very interesting. What I have experienced in my practice is sometimes one of our loved ones who's very ill and really does want to just let go. Uh, We may hold them because we don't want to let them go. I've experienced it from the other side, I guess, Uh, the living ones not being willing to let go of the one who's dying. Yes. Yeah. Mm. There are a number of things that I learned through my experience of losing my daughter. One of the things I learned is there's always a lesson embedded in any loss that we experience. And uh, if we, I explain in my book how to go through the steps to uncover whatever lesson uh, it is that you might um, be able to learn from your loss. Um, I'd like to tell you a little bit about my story. Uh, My daughter... was doing fine, uh, happy, working, uh, had a boyfriend, was doing very well. She went out one night with some friends, and she walked by herself back to a dark parking lot uh, after having dinner. She was attacked, raped, robbed, and left for dead uh, after that experience. Um, She had a great deal of difficulty in getting beyond that experience, and finally 
not knowing what else to do, I brought her back home to live with me again. I'm a nurse, and I spent most of my time and energy trying to help her recover. Uh, We went through this for actually several years. She would do better than have more difficulty. She had post-traumatic stress stress syndrome. Um, She had uh, severe anxiety and depression and agoraphobia to the point that she was even afraid to answer the door. Um, So we went through quite a bit. She started getting better, and so I decided to go into the hospital and have the knee replacement surgery that I'd been planning. And while I was in the hospital, she spent a couple of nights with me, but the third day we could not get in touch with her. And my life partner found her on her bed, unresponsive. The paramedics were called, and she was pronounced dead on the scene. We didn't know for a couple of months what had really happened to her. But in the end, we found out that she had died of a drug overdose. Uh, She had overdosed on drugs. And I was absolutely devastated from that experience. But the good part of the whole story is that I was able to make contact with her and I now can communicate with her on the other side. Was it her intention to take an overdose? It was accidental and she apologized profusely to me. What happened is she was going to take some cocaine which was laced with fentanyl. And she didn't know that. So it was an accident, and she was quite quite sorry that it happened, but perhaps not sorry that uh, she was back in the spirit world and able to learn and grow from the experiences that she'd had here. Our loved ones, when they passed to the other side, are very happy again. They leave behind all their pain, all their fears, all their depression, and they're happy on the other side. And they want us to be happy as well, but it takes us a bit longer. Well, we have to go on without them. Yes, absolutely. What I've learned from the experience, I am a nurse and I worked with many people who'd experienced losses, and I'd experienced some previously myself, but I had never experienced such a profound loss as the one that I did with my daughter. I had mentioned learning a lesson from loss, and what my lesson turned out to be was that I had been connected with my inner guidance, uh, but when my daughter had her unfortunate incident, I turned all my energies and thoughts toward helping her recover. I didn't actually quit my professional activities. I just turned all my energy toward her. And so I kind of lost that connection and I became enmeshed in her recovery. What I learned is it's wonderful to help people. We should help others as much as we can. However... We don't want to help them past the point 
where they should be helping themselves, number one. And number two, we should not help them to the point where we hurt ourselves. And I was doing both of those things. Uh, I just went too far. And that made her feel helpless. And it deprived her of actually probably taking the steps after she hit bottom to bring herself back up. So my lesson learned from that is about healthy helping. Help others always when you can and when they need it, but help them only to the point where they can start helping themselves and help them only to the point where you don't hurt yourself by doing too much giving. So that is the lesson that I learned out of my loss. I have been practicing yoga for nearly 60 years, but I'm always eager to learn more about yoga. And I saw um, a special offering of a online yoga class for women over 45. And I thought, yes. hey, that's, what a great idea. So I've been going to that class, and the woman who leads it ends the class with this. I am enough. I do enough. I give enough. That's beautiful. That That is beautiful. And that really helps us know where that is because... I think if we don't know that we give enough and we do enough and we are enough, that we do push ourselves to give more and to do more. And then because we've pushed ourselves, we can no longer feel that we're not taking care of ourselves. That's right. We really lose touch with with ourselves. And I found that after experiencing a great loss, We really need to prioritize taking care of ourselves. We need to eat well. We need to get plenty of sleep and rest. We need to exercise. We need to minimize our stress. And we need to give ourselves permission to take the quiet and alone time that we need to process our grief so that we can heal. That's so important. And, you know, you said earlier that these great losses impact us on all dimensions. And the one that I have seen quite a lot is that somehow having a great loss makes us want to change something else in our life. And I caution people that you're probably not thinking straight. Yes. Uh, Just changing the outer circumstances of your life without first healing the inner circumstances results in you going back into a situation where you're probably going to experience the feelings of pain and loss again uh, because it's not completely healed. What I do find, however, 
is that once you do go through the healing process, that often your life will go in a new direction. Because before the loss occurred, perhaps you were too focused on something outside of yourself, someone or some some project, or perhaps you were so busy and distracted you just didn't take time to feel what was going on inside of you. Or some of us just choose to live very comfortably and superficially, ignoring the imperative that we all have for growth. So often, once we heal from a great loss, our life will go in exciting new directions. Things will come into our lives, people will come into our lives, and marvelous changes will occur. Wow. So we don't have to reach out for them. We can let them come to us. And I think that that also brings up for me, you were talking about your daughter's post-traumatic shock. And um, that I don't know if you've found the group of people who call it post-traumatic shock discovery. Yes. And they have a very similar take that you do to this, which is you can choose to let this severe grief, this severe loss, this severe blow to yourself um, tear you apart and then you can put yourself back together again or you can just stay torn apart. Yes. Yes, you can become bitter and disillusioned or you can heal. I think healing takes a lot of self-care. It takes processing our feelings. It takes going back and healing those losses that we did not adequately address previously. And it takes as much time as it takes. No one can tell you when you're done grieving. Only you know that. Very wise words. Only you know when you are complete and when you have discovered what it is that the, that the grief can open up for you. Yes, and one of my, I would encourage one of my, you to... One of my teachers, when I told her I had a broken heart, said to me, the heart is a soft organ, it cannot break. What, is, what you experience as a broken heart is the breaking of the boundaries around your heart. Yes, that's very well said. Yes. Uh, I was just going to add that my book is called Healing from Great Loss, and in it I outline a program for healing from grief. Oh, good. All right. Because we don't have enough time to go through the program. And what's the best way for people to find you if they want to find you? My website is www.birminghamhypnosis.com. I offer past life regression and life between lives sessions. My book can be found anywhere books are sold. It comes in paperback, ebook, 
or audio audible book format. Oh, wonderful. I'm so glad it's an audio book. That makes it easy for everybody. So we've come to the part of the show where I ask you what you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's been listening to you tonight. What I'd like to leave is that in the beginning, we simply need to deal with the pain of loss. But in the end, my wish for you is that you find the gift in your loss that will lead you to a happier, more fulfilling life. Mm. Yes. I imagine that we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. And the words that you have shared with us and the ideas and images and the work that you are doing and offering to others are part of the reweaving of this cloak as we learn to truly take care of ourselves and to take care of each other. I so admire the work that you are doing, and I thank you so much for writing it down for us, because healing from grief, only you know what that grief really is like. Someone from the outside might think, oh, well, that was, you know, not really much of a loss, but it might really be the staggering loss for you. We each react quite individually to loss. Absolutely. Give give yourself what you need in that, and it's not defined by anyone else. And be wrapped up in the healing cloak of the ancients that uh, Anne is so skillfully helping to reweave. And Sarah Ellen, thank you so much for um, going all this way with me on the Comfrey Conference and weaving nets with me and casting nets and um, drawing in things and getting them all settled and in place. All of our live Zoom sessions are now scheduled. Oh, my goodness, it's getting closer and closer. Herbal medicine is people's medicine. Green blessings are right outside your door. Green blessings to all of you, and good night.